And I think that you just want to make sure that for the most part, your marketing, your messaging, your branding, and your process mostly at the store is consistent with everything else. Like don't mm -hmm. let it be, let it be slippery towards you, not slippery away. This is the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason, Jason Harris. Harris. Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to come jam with me today. My pleasure. Um, you couldn't have picked a cooler place to do it. Like really, we walked in, I was like, hey, this is gonna be a fun place to shoot a podcast. So uh, for everybody out there that uh, don't necessarily know who you are, Tim, and kind of how you got kind of started in the industry, if you can kind of set up for us kind of what's that origin story that is Tim Felsky? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I grew up uh, an hour from here where, where we're, we're, we are recording uh, in Sarnia, <laughs> Ontario, and um, studied English and French in high school, which allowed me to fast track through, um, through high school pretty quickly, and came away to school here in London at Western University. And I, I figured that I wanted to get into the car business somehow, but I didn't really understand how that was going to happen. So um, studied politics with the goal of getting into business. And I even took first year German because I thought that that would be important <laughs> somehow to work for Porsche or BMW down the road, maybe oh, in Germany. Cool. Yeah, well, fast forward, that's, uh, that's uh, my first week of school, September 11th, 2001. Oh and then my gosh. the politics books are sort of thrown out the window with, with how we're going to uh, treat our partners in the world and things like that. So uh, it was an interesting time at university. I, I went away when I was 17, where most kids were going away at 18 and 19. So I was not really ready for school, mm -hmm. but I finished my schooling, fortunately, and graduated when I was 20 with a bachelor's and went away uh, right away to work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which is, if you're looking, a great way to get into the car business. Um, because it really teaches you the value of hard work and you sure. get to work around cars. And then if you're afraid of retail auto because it's a commission-only sort of gig, you know, you get a great salary um, with, with one of the largest privately held companies in the world. So yep. um, I really valued my time at Enterprise and then sort of realized after three years um, and progressing to be a branch manager pretty quickly that mm -hmm. I was probably going to be a branch manager and get my tie caught in the vacuum for a couple more years before the next opportunity <laughs> came up. So... From there, I had met um, a, a local dealer. We were doing service loaner cars for them at Enterprise, mm -hmm. and that's my current employer, except there was a bit of a circuitous route to get back to him. Um, he hired me on with no retail selling experience as an assistant sales manager in the summer of 07. Wow, that's pretty bold. That's cool. And I thought, okay, this will be great. You know, I'm not so worried about <laughs> commission. We'll figure it out. And two months later, it was not the right fit, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't know what it took to get a car sold. Gotcha. And so we parted ways, uh, and I thought, oh no, what am I gonna do now? I'm gonna drive from my last day to an interview at what we consider, I don't know if we use the phrase, or if you use the phrase, the Taj Mahal dealership, a brand new palace. <laughs> that had just been built on South Cliff Road here, uh, Lexus of London. Mm -hmm. And I went from my last day to my interview and I, I didn't get hired in the interview, but it was pretty quick after with a guy that was from our hometown and that I remembered test driving a car with years before. So it was so sort of, cool. you know, it was sort of a who you know, it was also what you know, uh, and had a great career there for five years, um, starting in sales and learning the ropes from a, a very, a great training perspective mm -hmm. from Lexus and their luxury division of Toyota. And also from the size of the dealer group, it's uh, an ISO registered company and uh, they do a really great job onboarding their staff and that sort of thing where it's a big criticism of a lot of smaller stores where 
Here's the it's new. It's a good point. It's true. You know, a lot of a lot of stores are like, here's the keys, here's the brochures, go yeah. figure it out. Here's the you new know? cars, here's the yep. used cars. We'll see you at lunch. <laughs> so that was going really well from uh, product advisor to used car manager to internet sales manager. We developed their department for the first time uh, to the point where it needed to be turned into a BDC. Mm -hmm. They developed the BDC for their group. Uh, and then in 2012 parted ways for me to go do my own digital marketing for a couple of years before coming back to the car business. And you know, having taken a couple of years off, sort of start again at the bottom, 18 months selling some Hondas for the local guys in town before reaching back out to the guy who fired me uh, probably 10 years before <laughs> to turn into a very uh, valuable, valued member of their used car team uh, for Fenwick Motors. It's, it's a great kind of roundabout way, but it's actually really well-rounded as far as the experience you had in the industry. And, and um, I agree with you, working at Enterprise is actually a great place. Their training program is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Their processes are very clean and well-developed, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a, probably a great place to start. You know, I was actually talking to a dealership prior to coming here, and we were talking a little bit about the interview process, and uh, he, the gentleman made this comment, he goes, yeah, but I get all these people that are applying for this job that used to work at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And like he's kind of like, throw, and I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> yeah. like, stop right there. Like, you need to look at these people. Yeah. It, I mean, the sheer amount of process that is required and that needs to be retained and then executed in, in a place like that, it's similar to enterprise, it's done the same way every single enterprise out there. It's the, one of their foundational things. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly important to learn. A lot of people don't ever get a chance to learn that. So that's cool. And then you can add some roundabout, roundabout ways to get there. Yeah. You had a few years in some marketing, so which is cool because yes. it gives you the other side of the coin. You know, not just what you do when they come into the dealership, but also how we acquire them and their attention and then getting them into the dealership. Mm -hmm. You know, that's got to help in now being in the used cars and responding to these inquiries when people have. I mean, you, you kind of know, you get this feeling of what they're having to go through before they're, you know, making that phone call or before they're submitting that lead. Yeah, I think um, a lot of dealers don't, or young salespeople especially, don't realize that the, the minute they make, the lead is just a one more point on the shopper's buying process, mm -hmm. even though it's the start of your sales process. So, you know, they've done hours and hours of research. They've invested a lot of time and attention into it. Yep. And then you try and sort of, as soon as they send in a lead, clobber them over the head with what, what you want to do, you know, that, uh, and that's okay. It's, it's, that's our first approach. It's yeah. The majority. It's just like what I want to do. You know what the thing I've always taught, and I've said this a few times, I know people listen to this going, okay, Jason, you harp on this a lot. I don't know where we get off calling them leads. So I, I've been in the automotive industry long enough yeah. to remember that the first set of websites that we created for dealerships didn't have a form capture. And a lot of it just was call, was the call to action, yeah. right? And then we came up with the form fill, yeah. which at that point in time, when they showed up on reports, they were listed as inquiries. Ah. That's what it was. It was an inquiry. Right. Which, if you think about it, that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And at some point in time, I don't know when, and I'm pretty sure agencies are probably the ones that fucked it all <laughs> up. Um, and coming from an agency, I think it's sure. funny, but it is. We probably screwed it up. We started titling them as leads. Mm -hmm. but, they're, but they're not. They're just someone simply asking a freaking question. Yeah. I now, through it, communication, I think we can turn them into a lead. Right. I think it fits the the salesperson mindset. You know mm -hmm. what? You know what else could it be called? But I think inquiries are certainly a fair, fair interpretation. It, it's definitely the case where 
say 10% of them are genuinely hot leads and it's tough mm -hmm. to know because that might come in from a trade-in, that yep. might come in from a credit app, that, or the credit app could be, yeah, I think I have bad credit and I want to get that out of the way, but I'm not buying for six months, you know, like, <laughs> who knows? But uh, I, I, from my perspective and, and having been in a couple of stores for the last you know, decade or so, I don't see anyone doing email follow-up super, super good to, to the point. And you know, I, I, everybody gets too much spam email, right? You get ongoing emails from everybody. But with a mile wide and inch deep approach that most um, salespeople in internet marketing departments get, like if there's six levels of command, how are you going to get something new out there into the marketplace mm -hmm. when you're already busy? We're just missing the boat. And I think that's why agencies in, in automotive are doing so, so well, because there's so much, there's so much food to eat. Like there's dealers aren't, don't want to do it, aren't doing it. <laughs> Salespeople aren't savvy enough. They don't know. They don't know how to work with the technology. Literacy, fundamental literacy for coding is low, you know, there's there's great opportunities still for agencies that are solving genuine problems for dealers and I view one of those big ones as email automation and sort of drip marketing um, for for auto because you know I've I've myself put in inquiries for a number of cars whether it's mystery shopping or cars yep. for myself over the years and I can't think of any of those dealers that have emailed me lately you know to say oh no no hey. our usage of systems and like you said earlier we're talking off camera here we're talking a little bit about technology mm -hmm. our usage of technology is, is shite it yeah. really is yeah. right i mean um also i think too is that for me in my head uh, the way i look at it like there's two different levels of tech you know there are some dealerships out there that are using crms they go no 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 we're good we're good we're good we have a crm um but that's entirely different than lead management. And you know, I really tell dealerships that you should really kind of look at two different pieces of technology because the way that they're designed is entirely different. CRMs, like guys, literally in the name of the product, <laughs> it's a customer relationship management mm -hmm. tool. For them, they have to have a transaction with you first for them, for them to become a customer. customer. So they're not customers at the point when they send an inquiry or lead. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, it's yeah. like a lead management tool is entirely different. It's designed to nurture the engagement and conversation, all right, to the yeah. point where we can generate the next step, either a, a, another level of communications or a physical, you know, level of communication. Mm -hmm. But then once a transaction happens, then they become a customer. And how do we manage the relationship of our customers over the five to seven years that they're going to be owning the car, right? Or in yeah. your case, with used four to five. Yeah. Right. And if certainly if you have a, a salesperson turnover of like one every eight months, then in a seven year period, they're going to have on the order of what, nine, <laughs> nine people assigned to that file. So yeah, mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of challenges still for automotive. Um, but I, I really, and I'm not going to turn this into a bash the vendor call. No, no, you can No, 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 because I'm all for that. Yeah. I, I think vendors, and I fall into the category, right? Right. Is that we have to be held more responsible, mm -hmm. right? The, the value that we provide to our users needs to be more than just the product or service that we sell. Right. You know, and a tool is only as good as how someone utilizes it if you're working for a vendor that's one of those tool providers, you need to service the living shit out of it. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, well, we, I mean, we use 180 as our CRM. Which is a good system. It's just a, not a terrible system, but there's a lot of, a lot to be left desired. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Um, well, that's what I find though with most systems, is that there's no, there's no perfect one out there. 
Um, but what I find is, is that what, here's is the implementation of the system. Yeah. So I, I find there's two parts to it. There's the support and training and development and coaching on the system is one part. Mm -hmm. that usually always ends up missing. But then there's also the um, actual utilization of the, of, of the tool itself. Yes. So it's the dealerships not defining a process on how to utilize the tech. Yeah. They're expecting the tech to, to solve, define solve, and solve, solve the problem. problem. Like it's a, <laughs> I use the term a lot. Um, it's that it's that quick diet pill. Yeah. You know, like I'm just gonna take a diet. I'm Great just, for I'm just ten gonna, days. Yeah. And I'm then... gonna sign up for this. <laughs> it's gonna fix my operational problems. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and definitely the process and the people involved as well. Mm -hmm. But I, I have a lot of, um, it's strange that once you get the cost of the additional implementation of technology to pretty much zero, you got to spin up another server for your customer mm -hmm. and charge them for another license and, the, and that the marketing is done to sell these licenses basically to use the technology. It doesn't make me so happy when whether you call, I don't need to dis distinguish in my mind between a lead management system and a CRM. I just needed to do have two levels and do both. It you know that. Oh, be nice if there was. I agree with you. Yeah. You know, and, and it can some, be the same some thing. Some try to. Um, the only thing I ever look at is I always kind of you know tell the other ships that you know you don't necessarily want a product to be jack of all trades and masters of nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, so so having a product that is a master in one place or in one position of it, you know, it's like. Um, I don't know, do you guys use rapid response? Yes, yeah. Right? It, like it's not the end all be all the entire process. Yeah. But it's a it, it is a master of a very specific process. Right. And Will Harris, the the new head of sales is listening to this and he's pretty much going, Yes. Um, but but it is. It, it's it's a master of that one particular part mm -hmm. of, of that process. But I, I agree with you. There's not there's not one system out there that kind of fulfills the whole thing. But I think if the dealership spends the time to define what process they want, mm -hmm. then they can go shopping for the tech and then they can find what's appropriate for them. Yeah, I feel that, you know, if I could just spin up two instances, say, of, of the CRM and, you know, it, it shouldn't be any incremental cost to the vendor. Am I getting yeah. incremental value? Sure. But if I feel the need to do that, it's it sort of represents the lack of foresight on your product development team. like. Mm -hmm. Get, really get into the weeds here with individual features and, and that sort of thing on, on a specific software but you know constant contact or mailer light or mailchimp mm -hmm. or they all do that piece really really well none of them in integrate with 180 like it's not like that open source environment and one of the one of the things that's in going on in the industry that i'm really excited about right now is sort of auto trader canada's partnership with convertus or buying out convertus mm -hmm. and switching a lot of dealers to wordpress sites because I view that WordPress platform as having so much opportunity for dealers to, and agencies, to develop new widgets that are going to work in, a, in an open source way to talk to our data, convert other, other vendors' data into something more oh, valuable. Oh, yeah, no, it, 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 and it, we see that now, right? Yeah. There are a handful of guys right now, like uh, Strathcom and eDealer and Dealer Inspire. You know, mm -hmm. and we work with a lot of them. And the cool thing with us is that we're not a website provider. We're a content developer. Right. So, you know, it's like we're kind of like everybody's friend and no one's enemy because yeah. we don't play in their space. You right? make art. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we just, we take that that framework of a house and fill it, mm -hmm. you know, with the 
with the dealerships or the clients' personal touch and feel and approach, and right. you know, and, and really kind of differentiate them from you know from others. So, it, it, and one time, it's exciting to see some of these guys use more of an open source format, but then even though the original coding is open source, that doesn't necessarily mean that the vendor becomes very open source. Right. Just among the three companies I listed, right? We work in all three. Right, they're very different levels of access that we actually get, get to. Interesting. Actually yeah. get to the systems, but but that but it, at the end of the day, it's it, the systems are great, but what the data, what the what the systems, the type of data the systems are collecting, mm -hmm. what we're doing with that, that's actually sometimes a little more concerning, you know, about what we're, you know, what some of these companies are doing. You know, I hate to say it, but I'm not a fan of auto traders data right. agreements in pretty much any way or form right. uh, because for the most part they pretty much say they own the IP. Now yeah. probably gonna get, I'm probably going to get some comments going, <laughs> well we don't actually say that. Well, okay, okay. Well, it's not so many words. <laughs> You're very much saying that we own it. Yeah. Right? Well, even just you know the treatment of car gurus coming into Canada ah, yeah, and, you know, and as they were sort of scooping the photos that you would think that the dealer owns. I mean, it's photos of their inventory. You but would think they paid for it, right? They paid for it. <laughs> certainly that too. Um, but you know, with AutoTrader um, objecting to that and suing car gurus, and I think they've settled finally. And now, anytime you want to send a data feed, you've got to make a, a signature. You've got to sign to say that you own the photos that you're sending, so that this isn't a further issue. But yeah, the the data uh, is a big, big deal, and. Um, you know, there's a lot of global trends, whether it's GDPR in Europe mm -hmm. or PIPEDA here in Canada, that people have some reasonable expectation of privacy and mm -hmm. the lines being pressed and, and being pushed. But um, that's is a good segue that you brought that up um, to the work that I'm doing. Um, I'm just finishing up a master's degree in digital currency in particular. And you may think, well, Tim, what does Bitcoin have to do with buying and selling, there's actually a lot of similarities buying here. And yeah. selling cars here? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, I did my thesis project on a technology called Open Bazaar, and okay. it is uh, like a decentralized Kijiji or Amazon or eBay or whatever sort of platform you want to think about with a huge focus on privacy. Mm -hmm. So to get it out of the way, yes, you can buy drugs on it, like the Silk Road, <laughs> um, and uh, no, there's nothing we can do about it. And it, you know, it's sort of like a combination of BitTorrent and Kijiji or Marketplace or you know uh, Craigslist or something like that, and as of right now, it's getting very little use and, and almost no one wants to be on it. And it's you know it's clunky and it's heavy. You've got to download a thing to, mm -hmm. to use it, but it works. And that sort of proof of concept yes. and and uh, innovation in the in the marketplace is is really really interesting to me, because you know if, if you're a Canadian dealer and you have a very positive um, view about auto traders billing practices i'd love to hear from you but the you know the open bazaar protocol you, you know you know what's going to happen during this podcast by the way what's is that? that every time we say the word auto you have to be a beep, beep. um <laughs> that's fine. Gonna be like everyone's going to be saying what four letter word we're using and well, they won't even and they won't even need to guess at who we're talking about because it'll be so clear no but but it, it's true i mean you know when when big companies like that try to own yeah all right the ip of, of your data, it, it's, it, how they thought they were going to do that and not get shit for it is actually kind of beyond me. You yeah, know I mean, I think it was there's, just... so many, there's so many benefits of decentralizing the whole, the whole bit. It's, it now becomes open market. What we do with the data 
and how we utilize that both our marketing efforts but also just in working with other companies and other vendors it's just mm. it's an open open floor at that point well i think it, it was probably a mistaken mistaken plan 10 or 15 years ago to mm. say yeah it looks like we're going to be able to own all this data and the internet will progress so slowly and it'll only be on your desktop and no one will really mind right and then now everyone's carrying around a supercomputer in their pocket or two of them you know or whatever yep. it is or or every piece of technology that you own has a supercomputer built in you know whether it's the gopros recording or, or otherwise mm -hmm. so you know the data's blown up and everyone's trying to see what is valuable about it but and everyone's trying to take ownership that's the kicker yeah like everybody's trying to take ownership and I, and I think that to a certain extent, they do have a claim to the data that people provide sure. on their platforms. However, you know, with a 10 page of legalese, terms and conditions, you know, when they, they did that sort of study that if you added up all the terms and conditions for every service you subscribe to, you'd never be able to read it, <laughs> oh, you know, in, in, the, in one person's lifetime type of thing. That's probably an exaggeration too, but, um, you know, but where it, it kind of blends or blurs the line, it's you know, if you're a seller on Amazon and there's a lot of young entrepreneurs that think that, you know, buying and reselling on Amazon is a great way to, you know, get your foot in the door of making some money. And then you find a good product and then Amazon knows that it's a good product and they probably know that the margin is what it is. And then they make their own Amazon Basics brand version of it. And you can even get Amazon Basics motor oil, synthetic motor oil now. I ordered a set of Amazon Basic headphones the other day. They're and they're freaking great. And they're half decent. They yeah. were really for twenty bucks. Yeah. All right. I just needed some quick, and they were actually, I'm thoroughly impressed and happy with the, with the purchase. Sure. And and so there's definitely ways that you could crawl the internet and figure out what seems to be selling based on other various indices. But Amazon knows what's selling. You yes. know. And they have all the data there. All what, the data. It, it, I think what it is, it's, but it's true because what we're getting to is, is the responsibility. Of this data, whose responsibility is is the dealer's responsibility to hold the vendors, you know, liable for what they do with the data? Is it? I mean, I think it's the dealer's responsibility to at least know what the hell these vendors are actually doing with the data, because I don't think they even know that. No, I'm I'm sure it's not clear, and I'm sure they wouldn't want you to know. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's they're going to be advertising exactly what's going on. I mean, there, there are issues with true car, right? You know, you, yep. you upload your entire transaction to them so that they know what cars should sell for sort of thing. It, it's, it's really, really tricky. It's not something I've even dug into on that, on that level, but um, you know, just the stuff on the surface with the marketplace. Um, if you can obfuscate who's shopping, how much they're shopping, when they're shopping and what they're buying, I think that's a big first step that the technology like Open Bazaar provides. And, and so the, the focus of my research was on, how, okay, how do we make that work for cars? Because mm. cars are one, of the, are they're one of those things where people said, I would never buy one online, just like they said they'd never buy shoes online because you can't tell if they fit or pants for the same reason. But with- I literally did today, by the way. Yeah. I actually just bought a pair. I was actually at a uh, lunch with some friends. Yeah. And I wear orange shoes. Yeah. And it's not overly it's not overly easy to find <laughs> orange shoes. Sure. So he's sitting there. He's like showing me this link, and it's for a set of like orange Nike high tops. Nice. And I literally just grab his phone and just like I copy the link, I send it to mine. And I literally while during lunch just finished. Buy now. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah, it's on its way. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that that sort of thing. I lost my train of thought. I don't know where we're going with that. But but no, I, I yeah. think what it is is and, okay. So let's let's. Um, I'm going to assume that you guys don't use AutoTrader. We do use AutoTrader. Yeah. Use AutoTrader. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, that's, okay. and that's the other thing is that 
I'm a big proponent of training my staff to be business people before they're salespeople. Yeah. Like you need to understand something like return on investment and uh, you know, yeah, basically that, you know. And and absolutely is it a very expensive lead service or a very expensive website service? Absolutely. But the cost to change is significant. Lost yeah. time, productivity, stress and so on, and it still returns. So I'm not going to close the door on a 20-year partner that still returns. Yeah, I know, I, and I agree with you. I think, regardless of what maybe their some of their policies are that we don't necessarily agree with. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, if the return on investment is still there, then it's there. Let's continue to do business, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I think what it is for a lot of dealerships is how they even define what that return on their investment even looks like. Yeah. Because the vendor's not doing a great job. Mm -hmm. of showing they're just like well for auto trader <laughs> really you know this is like you know and, and it's also it's like i mean you do kind of need someone in place to really kind of decipher through the authenticity and then the bs i mean you know every vendor out there like we can talk about attribution you know i mean every vendor yeah. out there wants to take credit for you know someone making that phone call or someone making that lead but you know there was a lot of things that actually supported that i mean it could have been something from something they saw in a movie, so there's so many product sure, placements sure. anymore, you know, or something they saw through their social feeds, or even just Jim in the cubicle next door, whose brother just got a Subaru, and yeah. he says Overheard something positive. Call. Like, yeah. it's just, there's so much gets get put into that. Yeah, and I think that you just wanna make sure that for the most part, your marketing, your messaging, your branding, and your process mostly at the store is consistent with everything else. Like don't mm -hmm. let it be, let it be slippery towards you, not slippery away. Mm, that's good. You point. know, um, you're not gonna win every one. The product has to work for the customer and if they don't know, they need to find a way to find out as quickly as they can. Mm -hmm. And don't get in their way, you know? Yeah. I the, the fastest car deal I ever did was a guy driving by the parking lot I went out and said, hey, can I help you? He asked how much the 2013 Elantra was with taxes all in out the door. And I think it was a $9,800 car and I did the math on my calculator. It was uh, 11, one. And he said, okay, I'm going to get a check. Did you accidentally summon me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, apparently I did accidentally summon you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it don't. there's no need to hide the price from the customer. The car costs what it costs if you're uh, condition of the vehicle is good and the price is reasonable you're pr you may get a chance to get the deal and then everything else is where the professional salesperson comes in to decipher the bs 100 percent, and, and and that's true no matter which department you're in new car used car it's it's, yeah. it's the exact oh, same yeah. thing you know it's just i've been in the car business long enough to understand that at one point we were the ones who controlled the information right we did and we legitimately did you know and and there was benefits in that and there were lots of not benefits in that whatever the opposite of a benefit it's you know in in being able to control that but that's not the case anymore so mm -hmm. you know that's the first thing we have to acknowledge that the customer is really in the driver's seat here you know and and we don't necessarily have to take control but we do have to support the drive you know to the destination of purchasing the vehicle absolutely now we kind of talked a little bit off camera about kind of you know who we wanted to kind of target you know, this chat towards mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And you kind of mentioned internet managers. Yeah. And what else was the other one? Uh, used car managers. Used car managers. Yes. So let's, we'll kind of go that direction. You know, what, at, uh, the industry has changed. So yes. I oh, mean, yeah. 
be between marketing opportunities and social networks and uh, vendors and technology and how we use data data out there, how mm -hmm. we collect our own data, how we create data. There's just so many things cha have changed out there. You know, what would be a few uh, pieces of advice you'd want to share with you know internet managers and used car managers out there? I think. I mean, judging from my career tra trajectory and how I feel about my life today, say 15 years on in the car business and, and only 35 years old, mm -hmm. it's so, like you can't, um, uh, what do they say? Treatment without diagnosis is malpractice. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's actually I, good I, I don't know where you are in your career, your sales path, your you know, salespersonship, whatever it is, your, your life. All I can say is get a little better today and try and get a little better tomorrow and, and pay attention to that sort of thing. And, mm -hmm. and whatever that means to you and, and people find it pretty hokey, especially when they're in a crummy place in their lives, like to think about guys like Tony Robbins or Jim Rohn or whoever, whoever the talking head is that you like or can, or can receive some information from where it's not your dad or your mom telling you what to do and maybe it's not the reverend at your church telling you what to do or some position of authority, but that has no relationship, you know, it doesn't matter. Get, get some advice, get, get on a path to be being better than what you are because no one is perfect. And even Tiger Woods hits a hundred balls every day before he wins the masters after six That's years such a good away. Point. I mean, isn't that amazing? Whatever. How many people said he was done? Done. Yeah. Like done. His career's over with. He's not, and he just, he ignored it Yeah. and just Put kept going down, and back kept to going work. and kept going and kept going. But yeah. I agree with you that we need to be, I like to word, use the word intentional. Yes. About our growth. Yes. You know, and I find to be intentional, the, the key to be intentional with your personal growth and business growth is that you actually have to plan it out. Yes. You can't just assume you're going to grow through experience or just assume that these educational opportunities are going to come about yeah. you have to seek them out yeah I, I definitely I definitely agree and and I guess taking advantage of opportunities that are in the community if you're an automotive of course that's I think the the audience for your podcast but we met at at ARC at Automotive mm -hmm. Remarketing Conference Canada um, we met through a, a mutual industry colleague yeah so if you know if I didn't know her and she didn't know you and if none of the three of us were there we wouldn't have met but at the same time like I drove from a dealership three hours away to go to this conference and I had to ask my owner owner for the day off and I had to <laughs> ask him to pay what I think turned out to be four hundred dollars for one night hotel yeah it wasn't cheap it wasn't cheap <laughs> to gain this experience and and miss two days of commission sales like well you know it's a trade-off and it's an investment and but at some point like I was there and you weren't Yep. So what do you think I learned that might help me sell one more car this year? Well, uh, you know, 10 things or, or 100 things, that type of thing. So definitely get out in your community, whether that's, you know, I, I don't think that our, the salesperson community, there's a lot of lone wolves in the, in the industry. They're not yeah. maybe all, they're not all meeting up for beers at the local. I, um, wish, I wish they were doing more of it. In fact, I've tried to. Um, I put on. A oh, and you're doing. Uh, yeah, like, I, I try. I sure. really do. I try. You the, know? No one is trying it's, harder than you. <laughs> is, is in, in, but it's tough. I yeah. mean, I'm literally laying it out there. I'm like, just come jam with us. Yeah. You know, let's create a community and just. And but you'd be amazed. It's just. It, I think it's tough when you, your entire job is meeting new people every day and and sort of adapting yourself to what they need at the time. Yeah. The last thing you want to do after after hours is to go do more of that a lot of the time. Now, if you're not a natural connector, that's okay. 
but you know, you might consider what are some things that you can do to be a little more connected. Mm -hmm. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah, there's some great groups out there. I mean, you don't, I mean, traveling and getting face to face with people, I love. I mean, yeah. hence the reason why we drove the two hours this morning, you know, to come and, and, and meet with a few others and meet with mm -hmm. yourself, you know, it's just because I just love being face to face with the, but there, you're right, there's tons of opportunities there. There, there are great podcasts, there are great video series, there's yeah. great social uh, groups. Mm -hmm. that you can be a part of, but I, I think you, have, you just have to be intentional in your growth to do so. And if that means that, you know, um, I, I'm a big fan of scheduling out, you know, a very specific time. It, if that means you got to schedule out 40 minutes, you know, once a week to just be a part of this social group, yeah. you know, so that you can just kind of consume and just expand on your on your knowledge, then you need to you got to be intentful about it. Otherwise, you'll never do it. Yeah, and it I mean, start with the things you're interested in personally. Mm -hmm. Like I grew up around computers, so I didn't have to adapt to the new industry of computers being you know in the dealership. Um, in 2011, I bought my first DSLR camera and just started. You know, I'd always been interested in photography, but I mean, to break off the better part of a thousand or more dollars to get into DSLR photography. It, it's sometimes harder to wrap your head around why you're going to do that. But I did it and I, I've really grown as a photographer, let's say. Yeah. And, you know, as something as silly as I do 50 photos of every used car we sell and I can do them in about a minute and other dealers are waiting for the four days to come by and losing four days of velocity on their used car. Like people are buying cars every day. If you yep. have something, they might buy yours today if only they knew it was for sale. It's happened. I can't tell you how many used oh, cars. Like, absolutely. Look, I posted and I'm like, I'm not even halfway done posting all of the images. And I got like, like, where are you seeing this? Yeah. Like it's yeah. online right now. Okay. I didn't even know it updated. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's just, but, but you're right. I mean, you just, but that's committing, making a commitment to your craft and being a professional about mm -hmm. it. And um, as much as I have so many sales managers out there and internet managers and used car managers that are great dear friends of mine there's a good majority of them out there that just never made a commitment to actually their profession yeah yeah you got to get know? serious like you're right you're it's tough to look at the numbers but you know when you're if you're one check away from bankruptcy in your personal life your business probably isn't what you're focused on in the right sense like mm -hmm getting a mastery of the numbers I talked about, just return on investment or turning people into business people first, like you gotta take care of the money. Like yeah. your, your, your dealer is there um, with the money and you want some of that money and the, the way to get it is not just by showing up and working 40 hours and doing as little work as you can. Like it's just not gonna, it's not gonna do it. But I, you know, again, I was so fortunate to have the training through Enterprise and then even when I was at Lexus, I became the, the Kaizen rep for the dealership, which is continuous improvement in mm -hmm. Japanese. So like, you know, you, you don't get a thousand percent better overnight, but if you get 1% better every day, you're kind of, you're kind of going that way. Um, but yeah, you just have to give it your all. And, and again, the financials, like if a dealer, if, when you find out or, or eventually may get exposure to a dealer's financial statement and you divide the marketing budget into the units retailed, and you end up with somewhere between $200 and $600 per car is getting spent or something like that, you might take every opportunity a little more seriously that you get to sell a car. Well, and that's a great segue because it's actually, you know, one of the things that 
uh, I've actually put a fair amount of content out there about is getting used, used car managers to kind of really understand that they're landlords first before they're car people. And it's like, <laughs> you know, we literally have to look at their used car lot as just a, a good game of Monopoly. Yeah. You know, and every one of these pieces of property have a valuation on yeah. it. And it's, it's how you're moving, you know, your pieces across the board and how you're developing value on each one of those little spots mm -hmm. makes a significant difference. Um, you know, what's funny is I was even, I don't, know, I don't recommend this to most people, but I, I was even um, into it as far as actually numbered my spaces on my lot. Yes. It would actually track analytics based on profitability on location. Of each parking spot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I'm not saying everybody needs to be, no, you know, I, weird and crazy, kind of like how I was, but, but if you've I done, actually wanted to see what my return was you know, you from reached, the, a real estate investment perspective <laughs> on every single piece of you reached spots. a point where you had every other number you thought you could get, and then you thought of a new number. <laughs> I just made it And up. so you did it. And that's what you need to do. And again, a lot of it, I, I always think, I don't know why in my head, like a random orbit sander or like a dual action <laughs> polisher, which is that as long as you're not going over the same thing over and over and over and over again, uh, other than like say core processes, but like there's room to be like, okay, like let's look at this this month and then Let's look at this this month because eventually, through the process of discovery, you're going to find out a lot of new stuff. Yeah. And your orbit will actually get bigger as you go back over it. Now, again, if you're in a factory worker, you're a factory worker. That's not the role you're here. You're here stamping plates. Yep. But in but, but a, role, a lot, but unfortunately, in the carpets, a lot of people treat their job like that. Yeah, and, and, and I it's think not. They're, they're missing out. They're not having any fun, probably. I, but I, you need. Not only is it, does it break up the monotony, but like, you know, you take in some car on trade that you're like, ah, this doesn't really fit. What can we do with it? And then, you know, it ends up being like a Jeep Wrangler and you don't even like Chryslers for whatever reason. And it sells in one day because little did you know, Jeep Wranglers are like the hottest used car on the market. Yeah. Or something to that effect. And not only does it gross, but there's a business office and, and so on and so forth. So there, there's so much data within it. And that's, and we were kind of getting to this. I mean, just kind of to do a quick recap, you know, we, we've talked about your process and how that intertwines into your technology and how you really kind of create the process mm -hmm. and let the tech kind of support the process. Don't let the tech dictate the process, process. let the tech support the process. Yeah. And then uh, internet managers, sales managers, or kind of anybody in general out there, you know, commit to your craft yes. and be intentful about how you educate yourself and, and really dive into this. And now kind of this, this third one, this next one we're talking about, which I think is so great, is just a used car manager and the analytics that are available to them that, you know, we talked about slid off camera, you know, at one point in time, a used car manager's worth was once measured by the depth of the Rolodex. Yes. And that's not the case anymore, mm -hmm. you know? We're measured by, the, by, by how we process the data and what data we're looking at. Yeah. You being the used car manager, what, what are you looking at today that may be different than what you were looking at five years ago? It's, it's funny, like I have a, like, I don't know what you use to manage your passwords if you work in a dealership now, because I think I have 30 logins That's alone. That's and so you think, well, how did we do any of this before computers? And you kind of realize you didn't do any of this. Like you didn't yeah. consider all the data that was there. Um, one little thing, which is interesting that uh, has integrated into their new backend was that if you just divide um, SRPs into, um, what am I doing? SRPs into, Page views into SRPs, yes. search results pages. Yep. 
you can kind of see what kind of click through you get, like super basic metric. Yeah, which it's, it's, it's engagement metric, which they used to do manually for a long time. Now they actually now they have, exactly. So you know, <laughs> something like that now now is available to everybody. You don't have to know it's a thing and then make it yourself. It's just provided to you. Um, but what do you do with that data? That's a kicker. So the data is there. Right. So, you, so what do you, how okay. do you utilize it? So everyone's a little different. Step one, you have an awareness of it. Step two, you yeah. actually get it and look at it. Step three, you make pricing changes based on engagement. Step four, you measure the engagement against your pricing strategy to then see what is reasonable to do. Yep. You know, if you have a hot car that isn't sold, it might be the car and then you need to go look at it and test drive it and make sure it doesn't smell funny and see how many people quoted on it and, and kind of dig in that way. You know, all car, especially unused, all cars are different. So yeah. you need to go know exactly what that car is from a sophisticated buyer's eye. Because of course, most buyers aren't sophisticated, but you want to be able to sell the ones that are. Yep. And you know, if I imagine you may be an analytical type person, and I am certainly. Oh, no, no, we're totally like that. And we're like 10% <laughs> of the market. Yeah. But it allows us to see what everyone else might see. Yeah, you know what a geeky one that I used to really get dive into? What? I actually knew the amount of inventory views Yeah. All right, per unit sold. And actually... On were, average. On average. Ah. So I would, when it, when any of my, and, and this was across multiple platforms, right? So I would include things like AutoTrader, Kijiji, my own website. Yeah. I would count views, VDP views sure. on all of those platforms, all right, and then start measuring that on time to sell. Yes. And then if something was out of whack, I mean X didn't meet Y, yeah. all right, I literally a red flag would throw up and I would just be like, what's up? Mm -hmm. The views are there, but the time has lapsed. Yes. Is it, and then I would just, it's a simple question of just go, well, why? That's yeah. all it was. It yeah. was just one of those pieces of analytics that I collected and I would create in a simple Excel format. Like I said, I'm geeky that way. Sure. Um, but, but then it would just say, okay, well, I've, I've hit this threshold. I've hit this time that usually takes for frequency to create within the marketplace. Yeah. Okay, why has the unit not been sold? And sometimes it could, I, I deep dive into it, look at the comments, or maybe deep dive into the price. Yeah. Or in some, one case, in one case, the pictures. And I went in, and it was just because you know there's so many things going on. Right. Like the interior pictures look like shit. Yeah. There was actually a coffee cup sitting on the in floor. The, yeah. <laughs> and when they turned it on, they didn't. They just turned. You know, the ignition got turned on. Yeah. But not all the way. So it looked like so all the lights. There was were lights on. all over the dash on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like Christmas tree. <sighs> Funny thing, I yeah. would change those handful of things, and sure enough, within the same time frame, bam, it was it was good sold to go. again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's not. Sometimes the answer is because it hasn't sold yet is the only reason it hasn't sold. Sometimes it's the case, and but not always. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny to see uh, Dale Pollock's newest sort of marketing initiatives uh, behind V-Auto v and Velocity as a principle for automotive. Um, I love the concepts, a lot of methodologies. I love the way they're yeah. approached to data. Don't agree with some of them, but I do, I do, I do like them. But you know, <laughs> his new thing is, well, Velocity isn't everything. Why would you wholesale a perfectly good piece of inventory just because it hasn't sold between 60 and 90 days or, or whatever the criteria is? And you look at the strength of the used car market right now, prices that people are paying at auction, you, yeah, cannot, you cannot give away inventory. Now, yeah. this is not forever. Because you can't get it in the first place. You can't get it in the first place. So you know, you, you'd almost never wholesale a car. Take a retail loss on a car before you wholesale it mm -hmm. for a loss because at least you're, you may generate a service customer and, and that sort of thing. That it was might generate something on the back end. Services, anything. that's one of the things, I've talked about this before, but you know, um, 
in the dealership how we create these silos, right? It's yeah. Like used car manager, new car manager, parts and service, and they're all running independent businesses of each other, and they don't really kind of ever kind of cross over. And, and some like the used car manager hates a service manager, right? You know, because the service manager gouges him on everything. Yeah. The service manager hates the used car manager because he's a cheap bastard. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't want to pay for any of the reconditioning. And sure. It's just like there's, and and all of it doesn't support the dealership's overall goals and objectives. Right. You know, I, I had this crazy idea a couple of years ago, and it, it's probably still too crazy, but that, <laughs> I like crazy ideas, sure. <laughs> yeah, that that there is no job role. Just everyone has access to the service calendar to make a booking, and everyone has access to the uh, to the order system to buy a car or to, yeah. you know to buy. And then you're automotive professionals, and if you meet some old lady who's there to get a tire plugged, you talk to her. Yeah. You find out like what is what's she up to? Why is she here? Like who is she? What does she like? And then you can find out that she doesn't like her car, but she's in to get her tire patched. Then you can sell her a car too. I still think it can be done. In fact, actually, I encourage a lot of people to kind of head that direction. Yeah. You know, um, you know, one stop you know, shop. Just just before I kind of backed out of the dealerships, it was the direction we were heading in, mm -hmm. and we just started developing out. Uh, salespeople that were also service advisors, so right. we we're actually cross-training them. Yes. Because what it is is that individual became your car person. Yes. Yeah. You know, your car gal or car, car guy, whatever yeah. it was, but it was no matter what the car needs were, the person would be able to fulfill the needs. Yes. You know, even so much so that we were starting to cross-train them on F&I efforts. Yes. So it's kind of a super salesman, but in reality it was just providing the user the best experience possible out of a one-stop shop, mm -hmm. you know. And then also then we took a turn rate or turnover. We had some issues with that. So they spent all yeah. this time. So it's, I would love for industry still to head that direction. Yeah. I think I don't, we should head that direction. You know, if, if we're going to live, you know, our generation, we're going to live 20 years old, longer than our parents do. Yeah. And if we're going to see the most, you know, autonomous cars that we can get to, and whether that's Mr. Musk's projects with Tesla or something beyond that, and we're going to see electrification, which means like all, you know, maintenance kind of let, goes down, all those trends, Carvanas and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. I feel like you need to be an all points player at the yeah. dealership because we're just gonna need fewer players eventually. Yep. And I don't know when that is and I'm not here to sound the, the death knell. No, but no, 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 no. I don't I think used to, we're, we're not talking about the death of a salesperson, we're just talking about the evolution, the yeah. potential evolution of what a salesperson could look like. And, and I'm with you there. I, I definitely think there's a direction. I mean, look, I, I always knew that I wanted to at some point in time own my own dealership. Yes. Right? All right. When I told my sales manager that I was leaving a six figure a year income to go work as a service advisor for 45 grand a year, yeah. he lost his shit on me. You know, like what? But that because I knew what my end game was. I had you to have knowledge that. Yeah. and experience in all places of the business if I was going to get to the place where I was going to be able to own my own dealership. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't think it's any different than it is today. You know, it's like the, their things are going to be evolving. Yeah. You know, the consumers evolving, the products evolving. You know, and I hate to say it, but we're kind of the last to evolve. Oh yeah. And I mean, I mean, heck, even our systems have gotten. In some cases, better and evolved beyond us. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I have a dealership that uses Dealer Socket right now, which is a, an amazing product, mm -hmm. incredibly underused, I think, by majority of almost all dealerships out there. But I mean, it's a, the amount of data and what you can do with the system is astronomical, but it's what, what holds it up is the end user. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have like leapfrog. Um, your staff is going to leapfrog you because they're mm -hmm. going to come in, digital natives are going to come in knowing how to work a system and a website 
uh, and be willing to and, and want to almost rather talk to the computer than talk to the customers or talk to the other staff. So they're going to come in and dig and see and click report and see what kind of stuff they can figure out and find. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be sort of like a natural transition, but it, it happens in leapfrogs. Like you don't get 65-year-old salespeople to start entering every customer interaction into a CRM. No. I haven't seen a successful plan for that yet. Mm-mm. You just, unfortunately, wait till they retire and then replace them with somebody half their age or, or a third their age. Well, because it has and to become part of the job title. That's actually what I say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I get a lot of dealerships that go, well, you know, I can't actually, I actually have a hard time with that excuse. <laughs> yeah. My salespeople don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> This fucking business is this. Yeah. Sorry, your salespeople don't want to do what? <laughs> like, you know, but it just has to be a part of the job. The job, and that's where I find it with, with the, the job duties, the yeah. job description, responsibilities has to begin to evolve. Mm-hmm. It has to evolve in the sense of our uh, access to technology and our access to analytics. You know, yeah. I think oh, yeah. it, it should be a part of the used car manager's responsibility to be able to provide me you know, this cost analysis report of of what the real estate on my lot is doing for me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or or a or like I was saying, the one that I like to do. And, you know, I think everybody's just got to find kind of their their own way of developing out their own unique set of analytics. Yeah, definitely. Again, we don't know where you're at, but you could probably be better. So start looking to see. And it goes back to that first one we were saying. You have yeah. to commit to education. Yeah. I, I do think that that's the big uh, undercommitment. Mm-hmm. You know, don't send your doves to Eagle School, but at the same time, you know, everybody's starting from somewhere. And again, I got I got turned around out of the dealership two months in, and then I'm back working there ten years later, with a positive attitude and, and respect for the owner for making the business decision decision he did ten years prior, but also now making a huge impact on the business. So yeah. again. And, and then the other guy that hired me was, again, someone I'd test driven a car with when I was like 16, you know? <laughs> it just, don't burn any bridges in the car business because you never know what they're connected to. Like, yeah, it's a small world. Well, I, I, Tim, I, I can't thank you enough for jamming with me today. I think there's just so many, you know, so as you start peeling away the pieces of the onion, there were just so many beautiful little nuggets, you know, kind of here, you know? And if I was to sum up, and you correct me if I missed anything, you know, you know, really making the commitment to your technology, but defining what the process is. Don't let the tech define what the process is. Mm-hmm. You define the process and let the tech support it. Yes. Right. And from from a used car manager's perspective, you know, really own your space and understand your analytics. Mm-hmm. And then for anybody in the industry to call yourself a professional, a part of calling yourself a professional is making the commitment to self-knowledge and continue education and you need to be intentful with that or you're never going to do it. Yeah, for sure. So um, is there anything you'd like to add to that? No, I I really appreciate the opportunity to come and share these nuggets with you. Thanks, man. That was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. Good. Um, For anybody out there that like to connect with you and maybe learn a little bit about what you do, what's the best way to connect Um, with you? On on all social media, Tim Felsky. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn with the last name. Yeah, exactly. I'm the only guy. I'm the only guy with that last name. So I'm I'm there. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Tim. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you.